What's this? The Insatiable Content Podcast is back on a Wednesday? That's right, we're back before you even had time to take a breath, and why is that? It's because we got a special episode today where we're just gonna do a quick-hitting review of the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. This movie came out this past weekend and is only in theaters, at least for the time being, and because this podcast is as cutting edge as any technology produced by Q, we're gonna be hyper-relevant here and talk about Bond immediately. And I couldn't be happier to welcome my friend and one of my favorite people on earth, Jotty, stirred not shaken, M. Wendo, to talk to me about No Time to Die. So welcome, my friend. How you doing, Vincent? I'm doing well. Good to be on your show. Yeah, now, I really appreciate you being here. And, you know, we have a long, sorted history here where we actually tried to do some podcasting in the past about sports, um, but now we're actually finally doing this about a movie, so I'm really excited to have you here. Um, And I wanted to have you on to discuss this movie for two reasons. The first is that you and I actually went and saw this together Saturday at a private screening, which was really a delight because though I was heavily masked, it was wonderful to be in a theater again and not just watching something on my couch. Um, And I have to say, this is really worth seeing in theaters because the songs and the music and just the relentless pace of the movie are so, so important and emphatic throughout. So I really think it makes sense to see on the big screen. Um, And the second reason, and I think you would agree with this, is that due to our debonair stature and all-around suaveness, we are both often mistaken for James Bond, are we not? (laughs) All the time. All the time. time. All the time. Uh, No. Uh, My second reason (laughs) is that before we went to see this, um, you said you you didn't really remember the plots from the previous movies with Daniel Craig. And honestly, I have rewatched the movies relatively recently, but the plots... uh, Aren't, and sort of the narrative thread of the whole Spectre thing isn't something that I really paid attention to or remembered either. And I think that's important to talk about because I would wager 99% of the people going to see this movie don't care about that Spectre plot line that has been a like through line through the five um, Daniel Craig Bond movies. And I would argue that, guess what? You don't really need to remember anything about them uh, to enjoy this movie as much as I did. So... Jody, unless you have anything else you want to say before we start, I'm ready to get into this. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I did. I've I've seen all of the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, but I didn't even realize there was a plot line running <laughs> through it until this until this movie. <laughs> so. Well, it's, I, I feel like I watch the movies and then I immediately forget them. <laughs> absolutely. And like the only one that really sticks with me is has been Skyfall and I guess to an extent Casino Royale. But it's not for the plot. It's just like some of the scenes that stick out. And like it's just so funny that part of this, the part of the plot and all of this was started by uh, uh, Bond's loss of his uh, of his uh, female interest in the Casino Royale movie. And, you know, like we don't really associate James Bond with sort of the Jason Bourne, I'm going to die for this woman and plan my life around her when it's really like James Bond is just going to sleep with anything in sight. So I I do think that is like part of what's funny about this. But let's let's get into this. Um, The first thing I liked and this is a perfect don't think too hard about it entertainment I mean, so to what we were just saying, this is the fifth and final Bond starring Daniel Craig, who undoubtedly, in my opinion, is the best Craig of all time. He's brought pathos and self-reflection to the role, and he starred in Skyfall, which is also, in my mind, the unquestionably the best Bond movie ever from both a narrative and cinematic standpoint. I mean, the cinematography in that movie is fantastic. 
That said, there's a narrative here that stretches across the five Craig movies that you could care about before going to see this movie if you wanted to. And so you could rewatch Casino Royale or Skyfall or do a quick Wikipedia mental refresh. But I truly think at the end of the day, you don't need to. Those things could help you pull out a few more narrative threads here, but this movie stands on its own as just a purely fun and ultimately entertaining film. It gives you Bond in the way you want Bond. And I'd argue this movie exemplifies what I love so much about Craig as Bond is that he takes a trim, you know, he's willing to take shit and he's so self-aware of who he is as Bond that like in this movie, he takes a tremendous amount of shit from Lashana Lynch, who is the new 007 in this because at the start of the movie, Bond had gone into retirement and a side note, I, I think Lynch should be the new 007 going forward. I know they haven't decided on who it's going to be, but she was really good in this. And she dunks on him so many times, as do other characters, uh, a, a lot of about it, about just how old he is. And so to me, it adds great humor and his example of Craig making Bond uh, even more self-aware than in, in the past, which I love. Plus, you get a plot center, like all Bond movies, around a villain attempting to create uh, a weapon to destroy the world, and lots of beautifully filmed and construction, constructed action scenes. So, to me, to paraphrase, paraphrase Russell Crowe here in Gladiator, were you not entertained? <laughs> I was very entertained. Before, before I get into what I liked best, I would say that the best Craig is Roger Craig. <laughs> 49, 49ers running back from the... From Vastly the underrated. I would agree with that. Vastly <laughs> underrated. No one talks about him anymore, but he was, uh, you know, Marshall Falk before Marshall Falk was Marshall Falk. Right. Yep. That's the best Craig. All right. But, um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of the enjoyableness of the movie. Um, and what I thought contributed greatly to the enjoyment was the action scenes but it were it was action scenes with a purpose. It, it wasn't just random. Oh, we need a chase scene here, or we need a fight scene here. You know, there there was a reason for the the chase. There was a reason for the fight. Yep. You know, and then all the cool gadgets, like that scene where they were going down the elevator shaft, and they dropped that um, old school. A World War II type torpedo looking thing yeah. down the shaft and it shot off all of those like I, I assume those were some kind of magnetic something so that when they fell the electromagnetic field slowed their fall I thought that was so dope it was I was like I need to get one of these does Amazon right. sell one of them yes <laughs> that was so cool um you know, so though that that was probably the, the and I mean that's what you go to a exactly. Bond movie for. Yep. You know, you go for the action, you go for cool gadgets and the interesting and creative ways that that they use them. So yeah, that was that was very enjoyable. Yeah, and I would say that leads into the second thing I really liked about this, which is as you said, the action sequences. And the action sequences in this movie are just excellent as you were saying. And they're in the Bond style, like unlike so many other action movies now, they're not trying to mimic John Wick. They're their own thing. So there's not like slow motion, uh, you know, or like the Matrix style stuff. It's just balls to the wall intensity. And I'm thinking particularly of the fight early in the movie in Cuba when Craig teams up with the scintillating, I would say scintillating Ana de Armas, who just was like, looks stunning in this movie. And they engage in a fight scene that is gorgeously choreographed and shot and also funny as hell. And I have to say the incorporation in this movie more so than in other action movies in the past of drinking uh, while the action scene is going on was also just fantastic. And, and you know, like, 
I don't have a ton of experience being in fights in my life, but what would make it better, I would assume, would having a drink. Um, you know, whether that's a martini. And on a side note, I don't know if you know this, this, but like when they have the like, you know, the iconoclastic martini in this movie, Bond is drinking stoli. And I was just like, come on, dude. You're, the the you're, cheap stuff. The cheap stuff. You're James, you're James fucking Bond. Graduate to a better vodka. Now, granted, he drinks scotch uh, for most of the movie. Uh, and so I think he'd rather stick with that than slum it with Stoli. But if I ever seen James Bond, like in future movies, slugging some White Claw, I think I will never have never watch the series ever again. <laughs> um, so all that to say, like, I just think that this movie was like really, really fun to watch from an action sequence movies. And I would also say one thing I struggle with in some movies is when you can't follow like the linear or logical progression of an action scene. And in this movie, I felt like I was never lost in space. I knew what was happening and it all made sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, very well done. Um, uh, one of the other things that I liked was how they played with the 007 number yep. between James Bond, who retired, so he was no longer technically 007, and the new 007 agent, and how they kept getting, you know, it was like, who's the actual 007? You know, it was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there was a tremendous amount of comedy in this movie, I, I think, to yeah, your yeah. point. It yeah, was, there was. It yeah. was and, and, funny. And yeah, the action scene that you were talking about where they would take shots in between yeah. shootouts. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> it was great. It was very It was very well done. Very well done. Yeah, and I, I think it was very well directed. And to me, this will go down along with Casino Royale and Skyfall as uh, like the really high quality uh, Craig Bond movies. I, I really think that this will be a movie that I would gladly rewatch at some point, you know, when I it is streaming for free and Amazon Prime has it for the month. Yeah, without question. Um, let me give, before I give our final thing that we liked, I did have to say the one thing I didn't like in this was Remy Malik. So he's the villain in this movie. And I, he's probably best known for his role in Mr. Robot or Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just do not think he's that good of an actor. Like, he reminds me of Jared Leto in which he can't just be a part of the scene. He has to try to, like, bring all the attention onto himself. And so in this is, like, he was the villain, you know, like in big old quotes. And anytime he plays a character, he has to go so over the top and not just be the weird bad guy, but he has to be, you know, like, so off the wall and, like, doing these, like, weird-eyed movements and, like, has to have, like, such an affected way that he speaks and to really show that he's, like, truly evil and crazy. And to me... Like, he was acting in a different movie. To me, it, he felt more like he was in, like, Austin Powers as a Dr. Evil stand-in than he was in this movie, especially with the way the rest of the cast uh, played this. And I think the cast is really good. Like, Ralph Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes did an excellent job again. Um, and just top to bottom, there were just really good performances. And so I just think Bond villains don't have to be so, like, exaggerated uh, at least for me. And so I'm just, I, I just wish Remy Malik would get fewer roles. Um, like even in, I, I don't think he was good in Bohemian Rhapsody. And to me, he kept taking me out of this movie. Um, and I know you had some other quibbles about this. That was my biggest one. But I know you, as we were exiting the theater, were like, this was a long movie. I was not prepared for the fact that this was going to be two and a half, almost three hours. Um, so that I think is also a very legitimate quibble. 
Yeah, Rami Malik, I think that's just the way he talks. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he can help it. <laughs> but yeah, so we got into the movie theater at 8 o'clock, and I looked at my watch at a time when I thought, all right, this movie should be wrapping up, and it was 10 o'clock. I know, me too. And, and for another hour. I was like, what the hell is going on? Is this movie ever going to end? You know, uh, that that was that was a big, big issue. But um, I one of my biggest issues with this movie is I didn't get a clear sense of what the villain's objective was. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yep. What was his point in? I don't know if I should even say what the you know, what the whole scheme was. I don't want to spoil it for people, but the scheme didn't like to it didn't make any sense like to what end so you achieved your goal now what what are you gaining it, it just didn't make any sense to me what his objective was yeah because it, it was it's interesting like to just give a brief here without getting too many spoilers like the 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 project here is that the villain's undertaking is like he steals this thing that the british have been working on and that actually uh uh, the British Secret Service have been working, or the Secret Intelligence Service have been working on that, you know, uh, that was ostensibly where Bond was coming out of, to do some sort of DNA sequencing where you can, like, program this, like, thing that then kills people just based on their DNA. But, and he, and with the British Service, they had planned it to be a very targeted weapon used only on specific people, but then Remy Malik's character is taking this to try to kill, like, massive populations in the world, but we never understand why he it just seems again sort of like a nihilism that you see sometimes in these movies where he's just like i'm angry i had a really screwed up childhood and someone killed my parents therefore i'm going to take it out on the world but it was unclear as to like even who he was targeting and why he was targeting them right. yeah and it, and it didn't make it didn't make any sense it didn't make any sense and maybe we shouldn't go to you know to the point that this is an entertainment i don't think any either of us should be like leaving the theater where we're like thinking about the larger philosophical implications of this down the road. But it it did cause I, I would agree with you that it did cause me to be like eh, a few times. Right, right. Well, let me I, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I do have to say on, on the good side of of Remy Malik's character, the way that he got Bond at the end was like, mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah, it, was like, I, it was beautiful. I would agree. And we won't give too much away of the ending because I don't want to be in the business of like just rampant spoilers here. And this movie has like a lot of uh, big events at the end. But that being said, yes, I will agree on that. He was, uh, it was an unexpected twist for sure at it, the end. It was diabolical. Yes. It was diabolical. <laughs> so maybe that fit with his whole persona in this movie. Um well, the one other thing that I wanted to say, the fifth thing or fifth thing that we're going to cover and the third thing that I really liked about this movie is like, again, to the point of this movie playing the hits and giving Bond fans what we're going for in this movie and similar to like Mission Impossible were the locations. Like we've all been trapped in our houses because of COVID for way too much, haven't been able to travel as much as we like. And anytime I go to see a Bond movie, one of the things I just love is that you get to travel around the world. You know, it's all, you know, like that's part of the reason I love the Ocean's Eleven uh, series, the Ocean's movies. Like I'm an I'm an inveterate traveler myself and I could just go anywhere in Europe and be happy. And Jody, I know you feel the same way about Paris because we've had this conversation love before. Paris, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you just are happy to be there. It like feels like a home away from home. But this movie felt like a perfect antidote to the like covid uh like walls closing in quarantine stifled travel thing as you get from go from like a gorgeous italian coastline to 
at the beginning of the movie to hot nights in Havana to a desolate like Norwegian landscape all within the course of the film's runtime plus all the scenes in London and things like that and it's just so enjoyable for me when you go to a Bond film that you're going to get transported out of your normal life um, especially when I've been seeing many movies where it's very clear that they were filmed during COVID because they're individual characters are talking to only one or two other people in small rooms and the scenes just and the settings aren't as dramatic and this was just wonderful it was such a welcome sojourn for me at least yeah they made they made an old russian missile silo look exotic yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it was well done (laughs) i i couldn't agree more i was like wow who knew that a missile silo missile silo could be turned into a beautiful like japanese inspired garden Right, right. It looked it looked very cool, very awesome. Whoever did the, uh, I don't know what, what role that is that does the design and everything, they need to be up for an Academy Award. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, as as I said, this, uh, this is going to be a quick episode where we just wanted to do a quick take on this, but um, highly recommend this movie. It's great escapism, and I think it will be fun for people who like Bond. Do you have anything else you want to say before we sign this off and anything, any other reflections on the movie uh, or even the Tyson Fury fight, which I know you were oh, hurrying, hurrying home to yeah, get to see when we left? That's why I was left. checking my watch. <laughs> that was a dominating performance. Oh, yeah, Tyson Fury. I, I, I was pretty sure he was going to win the fight. I am not a Deontay Wilder fan. The, the dude cannot box at all. <laughs> He has a devastating, that is it. Like, it just, it makes no sense that he's won 40-something fights. But, you know, whatever. I'll let you say that. I don't really want to fight him. I think he could probably still kick my ass, but, you know. Um, All right, well, that being said, I will be really interested to see where the Bond series goes next, because this was Daniel Craig's last one. And, you know, I hope for the sake of the whole series that they liven it up, don't just go with another white guy and like really be creative about this going forward, because I think there are a lot of good potentials here. And all I would ask is that they don't turn it into like this superhero thing where we have like a multiverse or, you know, this whole universe of like Bond things where there's like seven different Bonds or something like that. I just... I think this series is great as it is, but and it can use some new life. Um, at the same time, like don't just make it like a Marvel production. Yeah, and I agree. And I like your suggestion that the um, the woman who who replaced him as 007 become the new James yeah. Bond. That would be awesome. I mean, yeah. obviously, it wouldn't work in the sense that she was in a movie with James Bond, but she could be 007 and exactly. we just make 007 movies. And she kicked ass. I mean, she, like, I don't know how what type of training she did, but she was really good in the action scenes, too. Yeah, yeah. And I loved her hair. <laughs> good call. Sh- I shout agree. out to her, to her hair. <laughs> um, well, that is all for this, epi- this quick-hitting episode. But uh, just wanted to thank you again, Jody, for joining me. And hopefully I'll have you back on here at some point. We can actually uh, talk sports um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime. I, that is that is where we need to get to. So this is your host, Vincent Rossmeyer, signing off and look for another episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast later this week.